the second episode of the View Down Here podcast. Thank you for all of you that listened to the first episode, and hopefully there'll be others joining us really soon. I received a few comments and questions which I would like to address. First item was from listener Twister511. He left a comment about how we were old, old, old time friends from way back, and yet you didn't tell me who you were. Um, so I have no idea who that is. Um, I, I appreciated your comments. Can you please send me an email or another response? Let me know who Worcester 511 is. You can send that email to view down here at gmail or podcast, sorry, view down here podcast at gmail.com. Again, view down here podcast at gmail.com. The listener Patriot One, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, your endorsement there. Okay, a question that I got, and it keeps coming up. Where did this name come from? View down here. Well, every time somebody asks me that question, I kind of chuckle, because it kind of has a funny story behind it. Really, the, the, the name came to me in church, of all places. Within, we're a member of a church, but we've also visited a couple churches. And it seems like every church that I've been into, including my own at first, wants people in wheelchairs regulated or relegated, excuse me, to the rear of the church. I guess it's to make it easier for us to get in and out if we need to, which on one hand, I appreciate that. But here's what I found that as soon as the music starts and everybody stands up, the only thing I could see at any of the churches were the backs of people. I looked them right in the rear end. I couldn't see anybody up on the platform. I couldn't see any words. I could hear music. But all I could see was people's rear ends. So it came to me, the view down here is not very good. So after that, I made a practice now. I sit on the front row of our church so that I can see everything. And if I need to get out, then I just go out. So that's where I came up from that name for all of you that are interested in that. Well, the title of this episode is What's This All About? Why on earth am I even going to do this? Why am I going through all this trouble? Well, first of all, I have plenty of time on my hand, so I do need to find something to do with myself. And I wanted to make sure that it was something that was meaningful. I've talked to many, many people, uh, and they all had a lot of the same things in common, which we'll go over. I want to talk about two things in general, and that's what is going to be on the rest of these series. Two things. First of all, how it feels to be disabled 
and our perception of what society sees in us and what we see of society. And the second part is, how do we feel about things? What, what, what are we going through? And how do we handle things like that? How do I, for instance, when I have a day of pain, which I do have from you know, time to time, how do I deal with that? Um, I know a lot of people are on pain meds. I got off of my opioid pain meds. Oh, probably now, I'm going to say eight, ten months ago. And I'm glad that I did. Um, but what was replaced with pain meds and the uh, complications that go with that is obviously pain. People that have a lot of pain, chronic pain, they understand what I'm talking about. It kind of comes and goes. The worst times are in the middle of the night. Seems like every time anybody goes to bed, I'm laying there in a lot of pain. I've got, started a, uh, or I've been going through a course of medication um, called IVIGs, which stands for intravenous GABA goblins. And basically, I uh, have a port in me, and they connect me up and run these meds into me for about, oh, I'm going to say six hours a day, probably three for three days in a row, uh, usually the fourth week of every month. Problem is, come the third week of the month, it's all run off or run out, and uh, I'm really starting to feel a lot of the pain. It, it helps with pain. It helps with strength. It helps me breathe better. Um, one of the problems that I have is that my muscles um, that control my lungs aren't working right due to spinal cord injury. It does help with that. But there again, everything seems to wear off now. I'm going to be talking to my doctor here pretty soon about how we address that. I don't want to go back on any pain meds or anything like that. Those of that you are on, for those of you that are on them chronically, you know how hard it is to deal with those. Nowadays, the government, in their wisdom, they feel like, well, there's so much pain-killing and opioid abuse, that's a big term right now, we see it in the news, that they want to control it completely. So a person like myself, when I was on it, um, you just can't have a doctor send a prescription over. No, no, no. Not any doctor can prescribe opioids anymore. Now it has to be a pain specialist. And the only way you can go get your medicine is to go see your pain specialist every single month, and they give you a test to make sure that you are taking the prescribed amounts of medicine. And there again, I understand and I realize why that happened. And I suppose it's important because a lot of it, uh, there is a lot of abuse. There, I, I personally know of some cases of abuse. But when you're the legitimate person, it, post, it posts so many hardships and conditions upon you 
that it makes very difficult to get it because I, you know, I'm wheelchair bound. It's difficult for me to get anywhere. So I have to go to a doctor. He has to test me. I get the prescription for it. I personally have to take the prescription to the pharmacy. I personally have to be there and fill it. My caregivers can't come and get it. No authorized person can come to get it. I have to come to get it. So it, it, it's almost not worth the effort for me. It's almost easier to just sit there in chronic pain and suffer than it is to go through what the government has now put on um, pain medicine and, and how it's delivered to the patient. They don't really think these things through when they come up with this. Um, this is a it's a matter of policy now, I guess. We're talking about uh, medicinal policies and the government and all of that sort of thing and big pharmaceuticals and so on and so forth. But what happens is they forget about the patients themselves. They forget, forget about what we are going through. And they don't really care about what we're going through. All they're caring about is, is other things, which, don't get me wrong, opioid abuse causes death. It's a huge problem and a huge issue. And you've heard the term, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's exactly what they did. There's also a huge amount of people a huge number that have legitimate chronic pain that needs to be dealt with. And you've made it even harder on them while you're trying to deal with the other people. So I don't have any real good suggestions for how we can solve that problem. Maybe some of you can leave comments or questions uh, or send me an email as to how you think these kind of things can be dealt with. Because I really haven't been able to figure out the balance between opioid deaths and legitimate opioid use. Because I've talked to most of my doctors, and they've all said there is a legitimate place for it. And I am considered a legitimate place for it. If I wanted it, I could have it. But I made the conscious choice not to. So back to what I was saying is I can sit up or lay up in the middle of the night in bed um, with the chronic pain level of over 10 on the 10 scale and finally get to sleep at maybe 3 or 4 in the morning um, and then start the day all over again. It makes for a very miserable day. It makes for a very, very grumpy me. <laughs> and for those of you that know me personally, a grumpy me is not a pretty picture. You really don't want to be around me when I'm grumpy. I'm not a, I'm not a nice guy sometimes, and I'm willing to admit that. I can be very, very, not nice. You could ask my wonderfully patient wife and caregiver exactly how grumpy I can become. 
so I'm not a happy camper sometimes. I get my treatments, my IVIGs, and I'm back to being happy for a few weeks. Then go through the cycle all over again and all over again. It's been going on now for over almost six years. Um, it hasn't, it hasn't been a real good time. There's a lot of times I get very, very unhappy and very depressed over what I consider my situation. But then I think back in my days in the hospitals, the acute rehabs and things like that that I've been in, and I've met a lot of people that were in far worse shape than I was. Yes, I'm in a wheelchair, but I have all my limbs. Yes, I'm in a wheelchair, but I can communicate with you. Not all the people I met can communicate at all. Not all the people that I met have all their limbs. Some will never walk again. Some will never get out of bed again. I had the opportunity to meet a young lady. But uh, I'm going to say when I, this first started, so five years ago, who she didn't know that I met her. How I met her was through a prayer chain. I found out she was in the same hospital I was in. So I went to visit her, and she was a young lady who was in a car accident. She couldn't have been more than probably 17. But she couldn't move a bone in her body. While I was in there doing physical therapy, they were over there wiggling her toes and her ankles to keep her moving. And the only reason, the only way you knew she was alive was she could move like her arm a little bit, her hand a little bit. And I held her hand and I prayed with her. I also I told her also that she was on a prayer chain within our church and that they were praying for her. And uh, I later heard back that the family was extremely grateful that uh, I had the opportunity to, to pray with her in person. That our church was praying for because they weren't part of our church. They were friends of friends or something like that. Maybe it was a neighbor, I'm not sure. But I knew that unless there was some sort of miraculous intervention, there was going to be a long, long time for that young lady um, to, to have any resemblance of a life again. Every time I think about her, I think about myself, and I think, well, you know, you're not in that bad a shape. And I realize that sometimes that I'm not, but I, it doesn't mean that I don't have the uh, opportunities to feel sorry for myself. And then I'm, I feel like I'm depressed and everything like that. But then things happen that get my dander. I'm going to change speeds right now, talk, start talking about something else. We can come back to this in a minute. Things that tick me off 
as a disabled person. This happened just the other day. Sitting in a parking space waiting to, actually in a parking lot waiting to get a parking space in a disabled space. And a car beat us to a, a parking space. Well, that happens. But out jumps a young couple. And they had plate, license plates on it, legitimate plates. But the couple, you know, they, they just jumped right out, ran into the restaurant. Had no, no need to be in that parking space. I'm sure in their mindset, they were just happy to find something up close. They didn't have to walk. It didn't matter that there was a legitimate person that needed the parking space. Yes, folks. Disabled parking spaces is one of my pet peeves. If you want to talk about something, that's something I can, I'll go on and on and on and on about. The countless times. You know what, honestly, more often times than not, okay? That means over 50% of the time. I see what I consider misuse of disabled parking spaces and plaques. So many times it's being used for by people that have absolutely no use for it whatsoever. They may have gotten it somehow legitimately. They may be Maybe it belongs to grandma. Maybe it belongs to another family member. Sometimes, you know, there's family members that, that need it. And I get that. But legally, the only time you're supposed to use it is if the person that needs it is in the vehicle. If somebody parks in a parking space, disabled parking space, and, they're dis and there's a disabled person in it, I'm all for that. Even if there's not enough of them, then I just say, oh, well, tough luck on me. When I see people that are not disabled in the least, and I'm not talking about even senior slow-moving people, I'm talking about young families. I've seen young families pour out of SUVs. and hang a placard on their, their rearview mirror. There's not one single person in that group that needs that or would require that. But yet they have it legally, and they have no problem using it, which is my biggest pet peeve. They have no problem in abusing the system. The other day, we were waiting somewhere, and uh, we were parked in a handicapped parking space. The pl our placard was up. My wife was in some, some business. I kind of remember where it was. And another couple pulled right in, to, right in beside us in another park, uh, disabled parking space. They jumped out. They ran in to get, I don't know, I think a coffee order or something. But they were in there a good four, five, six minutes. 
And they ran back in, got in their car, and drove off. He just used it like this is our to-go parking space. That's what it's for. They had no, they, they didn't blink twice about using a disabled parking space. So folks, I just shared with you one of my pet peeves now, you know. It, it, it's, it really upsets me. I, I don't even like to go out, but I, the reason I do go and I watch for this is because I really want to know how prevalent it is or if it's just me being overly sensitive. And what I, I guess, it's not me being overly sensitive. It's what disabled people have to put up with all the time. It's, an, it's, it's a form of disability and abuse. We're being abused by the system. Okay, we're being abused by the system in pharmaceuticals. We're being abused of the system by where we're being relegated to is sit. We're being abused by the system into where we where we park. And there's nothing wrong with where we park. But other people are abusing that, which abuses us. I've been to a couple places where there was I don't know how many park, disabled parking spaces. There probably was 50. I mean, it was like an auditorium. Maybe 50 or 100. We couldn't even find one. We were there pretty early. Eventually, we found a parking space that was not a disabled parking space, but would work for us, kind of around the corner. And when we got into this auditorium, there was a sum total of about two people in wheelchairs. And yet there was hundreds of people in the parking spaces. And I looked around. I was trying to identify well, how many people in here would be disabled. I know that's a, that's a hard count to come up with. But I'll tell you what, it sure wasn't what I was seeing. I don't know. Why don't you comment on that to me and tell me what, what it's like for you and your experiences. So that I don't feel like I'm the only one in town feeling this way. And I, am, I come from a small town, trust me. And it's prevalent here as well. Not only the big city, but also in the small towns. So I'm going to wrap this up here in a minute. I, wanna, I, I kind of want to talk about how I handle things. When I get worked up, how do I handle it? When I get depressed, how do I handle it? When I'm feeling bad and in pain, how do I handle it? Well, there's several methods. One of the, a good method that was uh, given to me, uh, I think I was at, uh, I first heard about it at Casa Colina or maybe UCLA Medical Center. It was called mindfulness. Um, some of you might be familiar with it. If you're not, look it up. Um, it's just, it's a, form of, it's a form of meditation. It's not meditation in the bad sense of the word. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, crossing your legs and, you know, humming, things like that. I'm talking about, it's a way of being able to take pain and or hurts 
things like that, and put it into a form in your mind that you can kind of deal with it. I can't give it away too much. You have to kind of just look into it. So look up mindfulness. You, you'll find it if you Google it. A lot of places that have it. You don't have to pay for it. There's people out there that, believe me, another disability abuse, there's people out there that, that want you to pay for it. You don't need to. Some of the best stuff comes from uh, various universities. University UCLA is one of the, the, the top places. And they have a whole department of just dealing with neurolog neurological uh, situations, people's minds, and how to deal with issues and pain and various things like that. So look at mindfulness. I use that. Um, there's, off, there's times that I'll put it set of headphones on and just listen to some quiet music and try to get it to lull me to sleep. Um, but when I got a lot going on in my brain, because sometimes, I mean, it just, you know, there's just so much going on. I, I really have to just pray. I mean, I encourage each one of you to look to God for strength. God will do that. He will give you the strength you need at the time you need it. Even though there's times when I feel like just not there to listen, not there paying attention to me, I'm still talking to him. And I'm still using these other techniques. And also, you know, find somebody that you can talk to. Find a person that you can listen to. I have my person. I actually have several people, but my one person I talk to, she knows who she is and she's gonna listen to this. And uh, she was one that encouraged me to do this. And this is another way of me dealing with things. By doing this, it helps me. If you can find something constructive to do with your life, even if you don't have the ability do anything or whatever, you know, or get up or, or anything, you can find something that you can do. I can do this because I sit in my wheelchair, I'm sitting in front of my computer, and I've got a microphone, and I'm talking to you all. I have the ability to do that. Some of you, a lot of you, have the same abilities. You could do things like that, or you could write, or you could. Imagine, I mean, I don't know. It's limitless as to what you can do. But you need to start doing it. It took me a long time. I talked for a year about doing this. And I just started a couple of weeks ago. Now here is episode two, a couple of weeks later. And uh, it'll soon be in episode three. And it's going to get sounding better and be more polished as I go. And I just want to thank you all again for listening. And I want you to, to share it as much as you can, as many times you can. Like it, share it, post something, a comment, or send to me at 
viewdownherepodcast at gmail.com to Kurt Collins, send me an email, a comment, anything, so I know that you're out there. I do know you're out there because I can see the numbers. And I, and I even have listeners in Germany. I'm not sure if they, they must understand English somehow. But I did have some German listeners, so thank you, Germany, for listening. Well, take care. We'll talk to you next time. And let me know if this is being helpful. God bless you all, and uh, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you.